Yesterday night, I talked about laying it all down. And I told you guys that God wanted all of you. And that not only did he want all of you, but he laid down his, his very own son's life in order to pay the cost for all of you. But one thing that I, I really want to emphasize today is that just like God wants our hearts to be on fire for him, I want you to know that his heart is on fire for you. God's heart burns for you. He is a God that is jealous for you. He desires, wants all of you, not because of what you have to offer. Because listen, folks, we, we, we have nothing to give him. But he desires all of us because he wants this incredible, intimate relationship with us. You know, when I got married to my husband, I don't know what kind of concept or idea you you think of when you hear the word marriage, but, you know, when we said I do and, you know, made our covenant with one another as husband and wife, uh, I remember one of the scariest things for me is realizing, oh my gosh, this person is going to learn everything about me. And I'm a, I was afraid that he wouldn't like what he was going to see. And I was going to learn everything about him and learn about things I didn't want to see. And it, that's what marriage is, guys. At, at the end of the day, Marriage is making yourself completely vulnerable to somebody. But before, even, even as you make yourself vulnerable with that commitment that no matter what I see, no matter what we find out about each other, no matter what we find out about ourselves in this process, we made a covenant that we're going to stay together, that you and I are going to be one. And I remember seeing things about myself in marriage that made me really like, oh gosh, you know, like... I felt exposed areas of just sheer selfishness, you know, or, or just areas of, of, of just shame that I, I didn't realize I was dealing with in certain areas of my life. And yet knowing and, and believing and understanding that no matter what was going to be exposed and no matter what was going to come out to the surface and no matter what we were going to go through and, and no matter what kind of fires we were going to go through together, we were committed to one another. And that commitment wasn't to withhold ourselves, but to give ourselves fully. And there's certain relationships or even marriages where people withhold. You can have this part of my life, but I'm going to withhold this part. And when you think about a relationship like that, you cannot conclude that that's true intimacy because intimacy requires all. And when Jesus thinks about you and I, you got to understand that the paradigm that he gives in scripture is that Christ is a bridegroom and the church is the bride. And, and God uses the most intimate relationship we can have on this earth. It's not between a father and a child and a mother and a, and a son and brother and sister. It's between a husband and a wife. There's nothing you can hide in that scenario. Between a husband and a wife, you are naked, literally. I know some of y'all excited about that. Be excited. It's going to be awesome. Now y'all shifting in your seat, but literally you are naked spiritually, emotionally. You are naked. You are vulnerable and there's nowhere you can hide. 
But in that place of ultimate vulnerability, to have someone say, I still love you. I accept you. We are one. It is a powerful kind of love. And, and this love of, of commitment, no matter what, is the kind of love that God wants you and I to experience every single day. And let me tell you something. When it comes to commitment, God made his commitment first. Sometimes we think, God, how can you ask this of me? It's so much. We look at the things that God is calling us to and we feel overwhelmed. And it's like, how can I give this to you? But you got to understand he gave everything for you. He gave everything for you. This is, this is a love that burns. It, it, it boggles my mind because one of the greatest deceptions that Satan has accomplished in, in our Christian life is that God is stoic. And that his emotions for us is non-existent. That he's a distant God and he, you know, whether you give him your all or, you know, whether you lay down your life for him in a sense of being completely vulnerable or obedient. I mean, yeah, you know, it, it's good, but it's not everything. God's not that interested in you. In fact, he's more interested in that other person that seems to be set on fire. He loves that person more. It's this deception where the enemy has tried so hard to weaken God's love for us. And that is complete falsehood because God's love for you is on fire. He is on fire for you. This is the part that as in my Christian journey, I had to understand because before then I didn't get it. I thought that I had to earn God's affection. That in order to receive God's love for me, I, I'm the one that had to lay down the sacrifices first, or I'm the one that had to, you know, um, give this up or give that up. Like I, there was prerequisites for God's love. And when you par- when you have that kind of perspective about your relationship with God, you have it completely upside down. Because the truth is that everything that we are called to do, we do it in response to what he's done for us. It's a response. It's God first loved us that we're able to love him. It's that God first laid down his life for us that we can lay down our lives for him. It's that God's heart burns for you and I that we can have a heart that burns for him in return. It is God's affection. It is his love. And trust me, God's an emotional God. Let's just get that straight. He's not a stoic God. We have emotions because we are made in his image. You and I cry. We get angry. We get passionate. We get upset. We get on fire. We get excited because we were made in his image. If you read scripture, you understand who God is. God is an emotional God. And I'm, you know, and sometimes when you hear, oh, he's emotional. We think that that's like weakness or we think that that's like, oh, he's out of control or, okay, listen, God is not like bipolar. I'm not saying that he, you know, his emotions are out of control. I'm saying that God feels that he experiences things. Things burn his heart because he's angry and things burn his heart because he's in love. When he sees injustices in this world, he's not indifferent. He's not like, oh, look what's going on. These poor children are getting sexually molested. That's too bad. No, his heart burns for them in anger for what's going on in their lives. He is not an indifferent God. He is a God that has emotions. 
So I understand that it's like, how can we get on fire for God? Well, let me lay down the first principle here. He's on fire for you. He's burning for you. And he doesn't want just a part of you. He wants all of you. And the reason why he wants all of you is because he wants to give himself all to you. Just like Rona was sharing, there was a part of her experience with God that was getting filtered out because of her own circumstances. And there were things that she was holding without even realizing and at times realizing, holding within to protect herself. She went into protection mode. I call it survival mode. In order to survive, I can't, I can't deal with the abuse. In order to survive, I don't want to touch this area of my life. In order to survive, I don't want to look plainly and soberly at the addictions that I have. In order to survive, because when I think about it on my own, it feels like I'm going to die. The reason why God desires for you to lay down everything to him is because it says in scripture, cast all your burdens. All those who are weary and heavy laden, come, come to me and I will give you rest and I will put my yoke upon you. For my burden is light and my yoke is light. My yoke is easy. We think, man, God, you ask too much. You ever think that? There are moments where I'm like, God, you're asking too much of me. You're asking too much of me when, when the truth is, God's like, I have so much more to give to you. I want to give all of this to you, but I can't until you lay this first thing down. His desire is not to take from us, guys. God is not trying to take away the things that you're trying to, you know, hold on to. Just because he's wanting that out of your life, he wants to take it away because he wants to give. He wants to give you what the true thing is. He wants to give you the true love. He wants to give you the true satisfaction. He wants to give you the true fulfillment that can only come from a relationship with God. His heart's burning for you. You are so important to him. Do you understand that? I remember when I was, um, I got a chance to do uh, Jerusalem ministry. It's a ministry that provides volunteers to homes all in South Korea, orphanages. And one of our pastors over at Itaewon, Pastor John Michael, uh, he uh, um, leads this ministry and they organize certain events. And one of the events that they organize, it's arts and crafts camp. And this arts and crafts camp is for all the young girls in these homes um, from ages really young to, I think the oldest is maybe like in seventh grade, maybe 13 or 14. And they come and we do just like little crafts. And the way that it's set up is they get all these volunteers to come and they pair you up one-on-one with um, one of the girls from the home. And I remember they paired me up with this beautiful girl. And they said, P, we gave you a special one. Okay. And I know what that means. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that means, that means this, this isn't going to be easy. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to love on this orphan, you know? Like, I'm just going to shush, lavish her with my love. And, and, and she's going to feel loved. And she's going to, you know, like, feel God's love. And, like, I had this, like, incredible picture of how this was going to go down. And I remember in, in the way that we welcomed these, um, these precious girls were, you know, when they came in, they were so afraid, first of all. Because we were all clapping. We made, like, two aisles of people clapping. Like, woo! And they had to walk through, like, a line of people. And they were like... Oh my gosh. And my girl, 
she comes in, she sees everybody clapping and you, the, the volunteer who's partnered with them is supposed to run up and, and grab their arms so they can go together. And she was like, she, you could just tell that she was miserable in that moment. And she like stop, stops for a while. And I come running me. I'm like, ah! you know, I'm like, grab her arm and she's like oh my god and i literally i could see her like take her jacket and and she she was like so upset like so annoyed and then we sit down and i'm like oh i wrote a letter for you you know because we were assigned to write letters and i wrote this like letter of love and i got it translated in korean and i was like this is for you and i give it to her and she takes one look at it and she just turns and i was like hmm okay all right. All right. It's going to be a little harder than I thought. And we start doing projects and I'm like, Oh, you know, what's your favorite color? And she takes one look at me and then she calls to, uh, to a friend. I remember every, every action of just love, every point where I was trying to reach out to her, she refused. She refused. And I thought, man, okay, that's it. I got to get on my knees. So I'm like the, after the first day, John Michael, pastor John Michael warned us. He goes, this is, you got to understand that these are um, precious people, precious daughters, but they've been abandoned. They've been rejected. Some of them are not truly orphaned. Their parents are around. Their parents might visit them once in a while, but they leave them in the home. Some of these girls have stories where, you know, um, their parents have other families and their kid, their other children are living with them, but you're in the home. Can you imagine the, the trauma and, and the hurt that some of these poor girls were going through? Well, my girl in particular, she was a true orphan, meaning she never uh, met her parents. And she had nobody visiting her, nobody knowing her. This was the only context that she was in. So here I am, all go lucky, thinking, oh, I'm going to change her life. And she wasn't having it. And I realized, okay, it's not as simple as I thought. When someone has that hurt, it's almost like they've become incapable of receiving that love. And, And every my whole... That week, it was like a couple of days, I was consumed with loving her. You know, I was like, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you. You can reject me, but I'm going to love you. You know, and I was like secretly finding out, okay, what's her favorite snack? And what's her, you know, like I was obsessed with this idea of loving this girl because every time I saw her, I just, it's like I felt God's love for her. And I was like, I don't care if this is three, four days. I, I want to do my best. I want to give her my all and showing even maybe a possible minuscule glimpse that she's worthy. And, and so I made all these efforts and I, I found out the key, the key is to, to joke around and, um, she's very sarcastic. So I was like, all right, you want to play that? Let's play that game. <laughs> you know? So she was all like sarcastic and I was like all sarcastic back. And she was like, you know, like a little smile. And I was like, yeah, yeah. You know? And I was like, all right, this is it. This is the key. And slowly but surely I, her heart began to just little by little by little. But even at the last day of the camp, I mean, every time we took pictures, she was just like, her face was like, <laughs> like she looks miserable, but I promise she was joyful inside. But she's, and I'm all like, you know, you can imagine. But even at the last day of the camp, I remember, you know, saying goodbye to her and just hugging her. And it was one of those hugs where I was just grabbing onto for dear life and her arms were just down, you know? And I, but I didn't care. I didn't need her to love me. I wasn't there to receive her love. I was there to show her love. 
And so even if she didn't hold me, hold me in return, I was like, it doesn't matter. Right now, I'm going to hold you until you get uncomfortable. And I just, I just held her. And I remember just saying, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. And she was just like, mm, okay. And as soon as the hug was done, she like ran off. And I was like, bye. Bye. And I'm walking out the room. Bye. Bye. And she, by that time, she wasn't even looking at me anymore. I remember thinking, uh, what an odd experience this was. Because I think in my simple mind, in my lack of understanding, I thought if someone didn't grow up having that love, then wouldn't they just absorb every part of it if love came to them? But I realized in that situation, when I saw her, I saw so much of myself in my relationship with God. And I looked at her and I looked at her almost struggle to even receive the hug. And almost struggle to, like, receive the letter. And almost just, like, uncomfortable and very skeptic. And, and you know, who are you going to just be here for three days? What's the point of getting to know you? I, I, I saw this battle in her mind. And I realized, oh, my gosh, I faced that same very thing with my relationship with God. And he comes at me with moments where I know he wants to lavish his love on me. And it's almost like I don't know what to do. And everything inside of me says, I can't trust this love. I can't trust it. Just like Vona was sharing, I can't trust this. God is, his heart is burning for you. It's literally on fire for you. And there are moments where he's been calling out to come away with him. Come. Come to me. Don't turn to that. Don't turn to this. Don't turn to her. Don't turn to him. Come to me. And I will give you that rest. So many of us are living our Christian lives with a burden that was not designated for us. You know, back in, in, in scripture, when they talk about the yoke, the yoke, you guys know what yokes are? Yokes were um, something that would be on the cattle's uh, or oxen's, I guess, shoulders. And it's basically to, like, steer them or lead them. And, you know, they would usually it's pairs. So two little oxen and then one yoke over the oxen. And you would just kind of like, you know, whatever. And then when you steer them, they're like, oh, you know, going this way and going that way. And the thing about yokes was it's not like every yoke for every person. These yokes were specifically created for the oxen that you were going to use, meaning it was measured and it was tailor-made for them in order to fit them perfectly so that when you needed them to turn, it was, it was simple, it was easy. If you tried to put the yoke of, of two oxen on another set of oxen, it wouldn't work as well. It was tailor-made. And there's a tailor-made yoke that God has for you, and, and that yoke is light and easy. And the problem is we're putting a yoke on ourselves that does not belong to us. It is the very things that God desires for us to lay down at his feet. But we're putting it on ourselves. And we find our hearts being heavy. We find ourselves being weary. We find ourselves getting tired. We find ourselves feeling hopeless. We find ourselves in despair, in depression. And God is saying, take the yoke off. Lay it down. He has paid the price to put that yoke upon himself. 
When we talk about laying it all down, I know some of you guys are like, what does that even mean? Like, if God wants all of me, I want to give all to him. But what does that mean? How do I do it? What do I need to do? What, what's the procedure? What are the steps? To lay everything down at God's feet is literally coming to him in prayer. And to give him everything. And when I mean everything, I'm not talking about, okay, God, here's my Bible. Here's my bag. Here's my shirt. Here's my clothes. No, everything that is on your heart, you got to lay it down. God, today I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling frustrated because this, this, and this happened, but I want to lay that down. God, today I'm excited about this that's going on, and I have all these expectations for this retreat, but I want to lay that down. God, today I, I, I'm struggling with this depression. I feel like I can't, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't even want to go through the day. I don't want to see people, but, but I want to lay that down at your feet. It is a constant surrender. That's what it means to be a living sacrifice. It's to be continually surrendering yourself to God. The problem is we have these moments. I feel frustrated. I feel anxious. I feel stressed. And instead of laying it down before the Lord, who's taken everything upon himself to set us free from those very things, we put it on ourselves. Oh, I'm so annoyed. Boom. Oh, I'm so frustrated. Boom. Oh, I'm so apathetic. I'm so numb. Boom. You are not responsible for your breakthrough. You can't give yourself the breakthrough. What the only thing that you're responsible for is your surrender. It's your surrender. You can't orchestrate things to work out, to, to break through in your situation. It's not in your power, but it is in the power of the name of Jesus. And when we call upon that name, it breaks chains. And when we feel that condemnation, you lay that down. God, I'm feeling condemned. Boom, lay it down. God, I'm feeling insecure. I feel like I'm not accepted in this, in this place. You lay that down. And everything you lay down, you got to leave it there. Some of us, we lay it down in prayer, and it's like, God, I lay it down. And right before you go, okay. That was nice talking to you. You put it right back. You pick it right back on the altar, and you put it right back on your shoulders. When we're talking about laying it all down, I'm talking about once and for all. And when that frustration, when that burden, when that hurt, when that rejection, when that depression tries to get back on your shoulders, like, hold up a second, what are you doing here? You don't belong here? You go back and you lay it back down. This is a daily routine. It's not one instance. Even the burnt offerings that were given to the Lord in the Old Testament wasn't a once, it wasn't a once in a lifetime thing. It wasn't, I'm going to prepare this one bull for my whole life. It was continuous in order to remind them continuously that we depended on God, that we needed God in our lives. And that same picture, now we don't have to lay down those animal sacrifices, but trust me, trust me, the essence and the heart of it is still true. We got to go before Jesus. And we got to lay down everything at his feet. Daily. When I'm talking about sacrifice, being a living sacrifice, I'm talking about a, a commitment to a lifestyle. God, I'm going to trust in you in all of these things. Some people have breakthroughs in retreats and it's that boom, one time and you feel the freedom. Oh my gosh, I feel so light. I feel so free. And then the next day you get bombarded with the temptation to go back to that old mindset and you have a choice 
either to take and receive that back or to, again, God, I'm going to lay it down again. God's heart is burning for you. Man, when I got that revelation, I was just floored. Who am I? Who am I that you know the number of hairs on my head? Who am I that you know every day that's written in your book of my life? Who am I that you care about my own thoughts? Who am I? God, out of the, the reality of the expanse that you created, who am I? I was overwhelmed that not only do you love me, but you burn for me. God wants to consume your heart. But listen, his heart is consumed with you. He won't ever ask you for anything he's never given himself. And so when we go through the rest of this weekend, I want you to let that be your anchor. Because if you do this under the premise that you got to do it in order to earn God's love, you're not, you're missing it. And you're not going to be able to do it because it's only in the understanding of Christ is done for us first that we're enabled, we're empowered to be able to lay everything down at his feet. God wants to set you ablaze. He wants to set you on fire. The fire of God is a fire that, that doesn't just lead us. It's not just a light that provides guidance and clarity. It's also a fire that purifies us. Just like Rona, when she got her laid hands on, when um, Pastor Christian laid hands on her head, it was like everything that was hidden started to get purged and just came to the surface. But it wasn't for God to be like, look at what's in you. He was saying, I'm taking this out of you. I'm removing this. I'm burning it away. That old pattern, I'm burning it away. That old identity, I'm burning it away. That lifestyle, that sin, I'm burning it away. God is going to burn it away with his fire. It purifies us. It purifies us. I talked a lot about cost last night. But this morning, I just wanted to make it clear it's worth it. The cost is in no comparison for what we actually receive. God's heart, it, it burns for you. I want you guys to close your eyes. There's a, a scripture in Matthew. It's a beatitude. It says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And some of you guys are just so desperate to want to encounter God in certain ways. You want to see God. You want to know that he's real. You want to experience God. You hear Rona's testimony. You're like, hey, I want to, I want to experience God tangibly like that. Scripture says, blessed are those who are pure in heart. They will be the ones to see God. And that word pure in Greek, one of the definitions of that specific word pure means purified by fire. Purified by fire. God wants more than anything else 
to come into your life, to make you experience his love, to bring you the revelation that he is so desperately in love with you, that he is consumed with you, that he is jealous for you, that he is burning for all of you. He's so desperately, he desires for you to know that very truth. He wants you to see him. And in order for you to see him, we got to allow ourselves to walk through that fire. We got to allow God to begin to purify our hearts, to remove the filters that we have from our experiences, to remove the different prejudices, to remove the different deceptions and the lies, just like Rona was saying, from the corruption, from the corruption that was in this world. There are experiences that are not Uh, that are tainted. I want everybody in this room, just as you're sitting, I want you to just hold out your hands for a second. Just hold it out like you're going to receive something. I just want to pray a prayer over you and we're going to be released to go to lunch. I want you to just receive this prayer in faith. God, I just pray for each and every single beloved son and daughter in this room. And I pray, God, that the burning of your heart would begin to be revealed right now. By the spirit of wisdom and revelation, I just pray that the burning of your heart for them, your desire for them, your love for them, your acceptance of them, I pray God would begin to be revealed, Lord. And I just pray God where love, that word love has been corrupted in so many of their hearts because of different experiences that they've had. I pray that you will begin to light a blaze and purify that word again purify our understanding of what true love is. And I just pray, God, oh Lord, that faith is rising up, Lord, inside each and every single person. That faith is rising up inside of those that have been afraid, inside of those that have been skeptic, inside of those that have been apathetic, inside of those that have been hungry and thirsty, Lord. I pray that faith is beginning to rise up inside of them, Lord, to believe that you have something for them here. Lord, I thank you. In Song of Solomon, it says, Behold, he comes over the mountains, over the hills. You are a God that overcomes everything that stands in the way. You are coming. You are pursuing us. I'm just going to read Song of Solomon over you, and and I'm going to close. Just listen. Song of Solomon is a picture of a, of a man and a woman and their love story. But, but this book is, is about Jesus Christ and the church and Christ's love for us. And watch what the bride says. This is the perspective that we should have. Watch what, he, watch what she says. She says, the voice of my beloved, behold, he comes. Leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle. A gazelle is is an animal that's able to climb mountains easily. Or a young stag. And behold, there he stands behind our wall. 
gazing through the windows, looking through the lattice, and my beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens in its figs and the vines are in blossoms. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. Oh, my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face. This is the bride speaking to the bridegroom. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He grazes among the lilies until the day breathes and the shadows flee. Turn, my beloved. Be like a gazelle or a young stag on cleft mountains. God, I thank you that your word for us today is arise. Arise, my love. Arise, my love, and to come away with you, Lord. God, to come to you, to lay everything down, to walk away from our winters, to walk away, God, from the seasons of dryness, God, from the seasons of disconnection, from the seasons of pain and hurt. And you are saying, now's the time for our blossoms to grow. Now's the time. The spring has come, Lord. And God, you are desiring for us to come away with you. And Lord, we just pray that you would hear our cry. God, our cry to you today is let us hear your voice and let us see your face. God, just like scripture says, catch the foxes that ruin our vineyards. Lord, I pray that you search our hearts and everything that turns us away from you, God, catch it and destroy it, Lord. Everything that turns us away, everything that distracts us, God, everything that tries to ruin our love, our affection for who you are, we pray, God, that it would be caught today, on this day, Lord, and that we would turn and we would cast it out of our gardens, Lord. Lord, your heart burns for us, and on this day, you are coming over the mountains. You are leaping over the hills. And God, you're behind our wall. And I just pray that you give the strength and the courage and the faith for each and every single person to just simply say, yes, I want to go with you. Yes, I want to surrender everything to you. Yes, I trust in who you are. Yes, I know that you are a good God and my life is safe in your hands. Yes, yes, yes. We just thank you for what you're doing. We just thank you for how you're moving and how you're stirring our hearts, God. We just thank you. There's no greater love than this, than he who lays down his life for his friend. You have shown us the greatest love of all. 
you have portrayed the greatest and deepest and most exquisite passion that anyone can endure. And Lord, as you call us to lay it all down, God, we want to first sit and reflect and understand how you've laid it all down for us. I just thank you, Lord. And I just pray that even throughout lunch, I pray in the small groups, I pray that you just could continue to burn in our hearts, Lord. God, that your spirit would begin to move, that you would stir an understanding, that you would reveal the things in our hearts, Lord, that you would begin to lead us and guide us, Lord, the only, in a way that only your fire can. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.